Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So we flew out on, on last Saturday and flew straight to Cabo San Lucas, which if you don't know where Cabo San Lucas is, you've got Mexico. And then on the outside of Mexico, right underneath California, you have that Baja Peninsula. And Cabo San Lucas is at the very, very tip of, of that Baja Peninsula. And so we, we flew in on, on Saturday. And so we just kind of you know, hung out on Saturday afternoon, didn't do a whole lot. And then Sunday, uh, we relaxed. Monday, we went into Cabo and, and did some shopping and, you know, kind of looked around. But on Tuesday morning as a, as a birthday present for my 22nd birthday, uh, my, my brother bought us a deep sea fishing trip and and I had never been deep sea fishing you know my, my deep sea fishing accounted to 12 you know uh, 12 foot in in a, in a in a lake in San Angelo Texas that was my deep sea fishing experience and so th- this was brand new and so we got up early that morning and we went down to the docks and we found our 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 big fishing boat and 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 we met the the captain and the deckhand and and man, I, I was I was really excited. I was a little bit nervous because you know I've never been that far out on the ocean uh, except on a cruise ship, and you know, big cruise ship is you know it doesn't really rock that much. And and uh, I'm looking out there and I can see some little white caps out there, so I'm like, oh, this may be crazy. So we get on board and we go and we fill up with gas and and we buy some live bait. And we start heading out, and and one of the first things we saw, there's a famous arch at Cabo San Lucas, and we went right around that arch, and so there's all these rocks sticking up out of the uh, out of the water, and and I mean one of them was like seriously like ten feet high, and there's like a sea lion perched up there. How it got up there, I have no idea. But uh, it was cool to see that sea lion. And so we went out there and, and there's like these poles that they stick out on each side of the uh, of the deal. And, and they they run these lines out there with lures to simulate, you know, like a school of fish or something. And then we threw out a bunch of lures and, and everything was good. And we're about five miles offshore. So, we, you know, we can still see the shoreline, but uh, it's real deep water right there. And so, anyway, we're trolling out through there, and I'm all excited. And I was excited for like the first two hours. And then I'm just sitting there like, okay, are we going to catch something or are we not? You know, so, and I mean, we're just, you know, the the boat's going this way and that way. And, uh, you know, I was told that if I looked at the land, you know, if you have like a reference point, you won't get seasick. So, you know, I was just sitting there staring at the land so I didn't get sick. But, you know, there was dolphins that swam by and then there was more sea lions and a sea lion had come up by the baits and, and, and the deckhand and the captain would go to yell and you'd have to reel in all of your bait because the sea lions had steal your bait and then we'd have to like drive off real fast and find another spot and and the whales were down there humpback whales and and you you could see them you know the, the little sprays every now and then but we saw one probably about from about here to 86 come up out of the water like you see on tv i'm talking about like nearly all the way out of the water and turn in the air and land on their back and 
Water went everywhere. And I mean, it was like a, it was like an explosion went off, like a nuclear bomb. It was so big. And, and I wanted to see a whale up close, but I didn't want to see one of those whales up close. Cause I mean, if that thing lands on you, you're dead, right? So we're, and so, you know, it, it's a touristy place and everything. So th- they had the radio playing and, and I don't know why, but they had country music playing. You know, they had like, George Strait and, you know, Alan Jackson is, is, is playing. And, um, anyway, it, it was a great time, you know, and, and so, you know, we've got all these lures out here and we got whales, we got dolphins, we got sea lions, we have diesel fumes, you know, from the engine. You know, it is, it, and it, it, was, it was a magnificent, wondrous time. And then something happened. But before I tell you that, we must understand that while we were out there for two or three hours, just driving around looking for something unseen, trying to find something that that we had no way of seeing beforehand, that people have been doing that for 2,000 years. People have been searching for something for for 2,000 years and and, and probably even longer of something that's, that's unseen. And even when Jesus was here on earth, people were still searching for something even though He was right there. And in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse, uh, I think it's 13 or 30. I don't remember. Anyway, I didn't write it down. But anyway, this is what he says. He looks at his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And so the disciples answered him and they said, uh, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Now, by this time, John the Baptist has been uh, killed. His, his head is cut off. And, and, and people are saying that Jesus, this new miraculous preacher and everything, is, is John the Baptist reincarnated. Now, if you, if you remember, John the Baptist is the one that, that wore the camel hair clothes and, and lived a very pious life. He preached repentance and holy living. He ate locusts and wild honey while wearing scratchy camel hair. And, 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 and didn't Jesus, and, and, and sometimes people say, well, why would he say, why would people say that he's John the Baptist? Because even Jesus started his ministry with the same ministry that John the Baptist started. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Surely Jesus must be John the Baptist brought back to life. Jesus started his own ministry the same way John's ministry was. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Who do people say that I am was the question that Jesus asked. And they said, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah. Now, Elijah was a miracle worker. He cleansed lepers. He made it rain after a long drought. He raised the dead and brought down fire from heaven. I mean, if there was ever a miracle worker in biblical times, it was Elijah. I mean, his job was miracles. And people said, Jesus must be Elijah returned. He must be Elijah. Surely Jesus must be Elijah. Jesus performed miracles. He healed the lame, cleansed the lepers, made the blind see and the deaf hear. 
He brought people back from the dead. Surely Jesus must be Elijah. Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? Who are people searching for? They're searching for something that they can't see. They, they've got stuff out there. They're, 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 trying, they're, they're trying to figure out something. Who do people say that I am? And then the apostles said, some people say that you're Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He cared much for the lost people of Israel. Surely Jesus must be Jeremiah. See how he cares for the lowly and the lost. See how he cries when even one is gone. Even when one is lost, he weeps. See how much he cares. Surely he must be Elijah. And then the disciples say that there's a fourth person that Jesus, that people think that Jesus is. And people say that he's that prophet. Now, that was a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where Moses says that one day God will send a prophet like me. This is Moses talking. God will one day send a prophet like me to explain everything to you. So surely Jesus must be that prophet. See how well he explains everything and people listen. He can put things into words that nobody else has been able to. He has wisdom that no one else has. He says things in ways that nobody has ever said before. Surely Jesus must be that prophet. They were searching for something. And Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? They were out there fishing for something and, 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 and they didn't know what it was. So, so some of them were, were out there fishing for John the Baptist to return or Elijah to return or Jeremiah to return or, or that prophesied prophet that would explain everything to them. Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And as I read this, I realized that even though we know who Jesus is today, you know, J Jesus walked among those people. And people called him John the Baptist. People called him Elijah. He called him Jeremiah. They called him that prophesied prophet, that prophet that would come. And the churches today are still searching for who they think Jesus is. People say, well, we will build our church based on John the Baptist. I, I call these I, I call these churches the crotchety farmers. Have you ever if you've known very many farmers, there's like three types of farmers. There's farmers that are just jovial and just good natured people, and then there's farmers that are just quiet and don't say anything. And then the rest of them, like the other ninety nine percent, are just crotchety old farmers. Okay. We will build our church based upon John the Baptist. Repentance and holy living. Everything is just business. Everything is work, 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 work. Up at sunrise, you know, down at sunset, eat, sleep, reap what you sow and sow what you reap. These crotchety farmer churches, I think they wear scratchy wool underwear and think the only way to heaven is through pious sanctity and beating yourself and others up. Still searching. We will build our church on John the Baptist. And then others say, we will build our church on Elijah. We will build our church on Elijah. And I call these the matadors. Everything is flash and showy and waving our big capes around. These churches believe in 
flashy miracles. They believe that we will woo the crowds with our flash and flare and throw our spirit hands in the air. You know what I mean? It's just everything is a grandiose experience. Miracles will abound. Healing, restoration, casting out demons from doorknobs, speaking in unknown languages and overcoming any and all obstacles. We will build our church on Elijah. If people see our miracles, they will be amazed. Olay. And others say, no, 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 no. We will build our church on Jeremiah, or as I like to call them, the ASPCA, the American Association for the Prevent or the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Anyone. We will build our church on Jeremiah. We will love people to heaven. We will rescue the lost. We will lift the downtrodden and save the sinner through love and casseroles. We will evangelize to the world by our love and by our caring. We will weep for those that are hurting, for those that are sick. And still others say, we will build our church on that prophet that explains the scriptures. I call these the seminarians, the seminarians. We will have Bible studies four nights a week. We will have a Bible study on how to do Bible studies about Bible studies. We will have programs about programs on how to do programs. If you have a need, we have a Bible reference and a program. If you want something to do, we're doing something. We will study Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and Chaldean. We will peruse every verb, dissect every verse, and meditate upon every name of God. Will someone say hallelujah? You know what I mean? The seminarians. We will supply the keys to heaven through scripture reference, memorization, and the King James Version. We will build our church on John the Baptist. We will build our church on Elijah and the miracles. We will build our church on Jeremiah and the love. No, we will build our church upon that prophet and we will study and memorize and know everything about hermeneutics and apologetics and exegesis and all of that stuff. Jesus asked, who do you say, who do people say that I am? Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah and others say that you are that prophet. And then Jesus asks another question. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, who I think has been quiet through this whole deliberation, speaks up. And he says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Christos, the Savior. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. That's when Jesus says, upon this truth. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He didn't say that he would build a church based on John the Baptist or a church based upon uh, on pious living and and only upon repentance and, and eating locusts and wild honey. He didn't say I will build a church based upon Elijah and only flashy miracles and speaking in unknown tongues. 
He didn't say, I will build a church full of caring people that will love people into heaven. He didn't say, I will build a church based upon that prophet where the most important thing is studying scripture and memorizing and knowing what hermeneutics and apologetics and, and exegesis is and Bible studies. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, that is the truth that I will build my church upon. Jesus will build his church based upon the truth that he is the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, and that belief that Jesus talks about is somebody that trusts him with his whole heart, not based upon what they can do, but based upon what Jesus did. And what he did is live a perfect life. And then at the very last moment, he swapped his perfection for our sinfulness. And he was crucified on a cross to take your place for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For the son of God did not come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. That's what our churches should be based upon. It's the grace of God found in Christ Jesus. We search for a lot of things and, and we throw out there a, a, a lot of lures. But when we make Jesus Christ our personal Savior, when we make Him the most important part of our lives, when we give our lives completely to Him, you know what the result will be? Some of it will be pious living. It will result in change. It will result in repentance. There will be some miracles. I've seen them. I've seen lame healed. I've seen the sick made well. I've seen things that science cannot explain. And some of those things happen when Jesus Christ is realized that he is our personal savior, that he is the Messiah, that it is by the grace of God that we are saved. And I've seen people give, as Ty was talking about, I've seen people care for others, care for the sick, to love the unlovable. That's what happens when Jesus is our church, when he is our focus. And I've seen people grow in the scriptures to be able to quote scriptures, to be able to unlock hidden meanings in scripture to study the Bible and grow closer together. And that's what happens when Jesus is the focal point of our church. Not just one of those things, but the only thing. Jesus will build his church, not our church. We will not build our church on anything. Jesus will build his church and, and, and save the cowboy is not a church. You are. 
this group of believers, you and me and these others that are meeting this morning, we are his church and our focus should be on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone and the grace of God afforded to us. We're rolling through the waves. Sometimes you couldn't even see, there, there was a bunch of boats out there. Sometimes you couldn't even see the shore because the waves were so tall. Sometimes you couldn't see the boat next to you. And as I sit and listen to Alan Jackson sing Chattahoochee, I tried not to get seasick. And I wondered again after two or three hours of rolling through these rough seas, searching for something that we could not see of what we were doing out there. Then without me realizing it, Alan went from singing where I come from. You know that song where I come from. There's cornbread and biscuits. You know, I went. The music changed from where I come from. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. And I sat there and I started singing along and I turned to my sister-in-law and I said, see, that's the problem right there. These are Christian fish. We just needed some good gospel music. It wasn't 10 minutes later and one of the reels went. And I heard the captain say, fitch on. And he handed down this pole and they handed it to me. I didn't know what to do with it. And I looked at the deckhand and I said, what do I do? He said, reel. So I start reeling. And I knew not, I'd heard not to get slack in the line, right? And I'm like, what is it, a humpback whale? And they said, no, it's a marlin. I was like, oh, I caught me a marlin. I ain't going to let this son of a gun go. And I do this for like 10 minutes. I'm starting to get asthma. I might have to ask my brother to grab out my inhaler out of my pocket and just give me a dose about every 45 seconds. Real, real. Real, and I'd get him right up to the boat, and the line would go. I had tears streaming down my face. I don't want to fish anymore. I don't want to do this. But I kept it up, wiped my tears away. I've been working out, so I thought I was in shape, and I'm in like two minutes worth of shape. I'm not in like 15 minutes worth of shape. Kept reeling, never give up. Never give up. And that's when I got it to the boat. Caught me a white marlin. It was like this big. No, seriously, it was like that big. I've got a picture. I'll show you. It was a big fish. Because the biggest fish I'd ever caught before was like a perch. Right? So this is a lot bigger than any fish I've caught. But you know what? It wasn't the beautiful coast. It wasn't the catch. And it wasn't the climate that I was searching for and that I found. Because what I've been looking for my whole life is Jesus. It was Christ, my Savior, my God, and hopefully yours of what you've been looking for. And the only thing that can fulfill you, the only thing that can give you peace, the only thing that can change your life, and the only thing that can save our sorry souls is who I was looking for. People have been searching for Jesus their whole lives. It's been that way since he was born. When Jesus was born, everybody knows the Christmas story. When Jesus was born, there was a star over Bethlehem. And three wise men or scholars or magi or whatever you want to call it, 
These three men came looking for a king, the king of the Jews. And they went to King Herod and said, where is this king that has been born? And Herod, who was the king and wanted to continue to be the king, said, I don't know. I'd like to meet him too. The three wise men were looking for a king. King Herod killed all the kids in Israel two years and younger under because he was looking for a usurper. But it was the cowboys that were tending their flocks in the fields that night when an angel came to them and said, Lo to you this night in Bethlehem a Savior has been born, the Messiah. And those cowboys left their fields and they went and found a baby lying in a manger. They found the Savior, the baby that was named Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But you don't have to go find a feed bunk or go fishing in Cabo to find your Christ. He's here right now, waiting on you to ask him to be your savior and invite him into your heart, not for a Sunday before Christmas, but for all days until he comes back. As we left that boat, one thought was recurring over and over and over. And it's where Jesus says, come and I will make you fishers of men. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. I pray today that hearts are changed and lives are turned to your son. There's power in the blood of Jesus, the power to redeem, the power to save, and the power to transform all of those regardless of their past, regardless of their present, and their future assured for those who call on him as their own Lord and Savior. God, I pray right now that those that are here today that are listening will either for the first time or maybe there needs to be a renewal will once again give their lives to Jesus, not for today, but for all the days. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.